At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Oh, what are you doing? I'll tell you what you're doing. You're listening to the Elder Scrolls, Lorcas. Either you are, or I'll be skipping rope with your entrails. Ta-ta. This podcast is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. The podcast where we explore the amazing universe of the Elder Scrolls. Adventurers, welcome back to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots. I'm here with my good buddy, Lotus. And Lotus, those sounds in the intro are from the last year of ESO content. With they the, sure are. The waves and the whole, I don't know, piratey Lots sounding. high seas, piratey stuff. Theme. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to change it because I got to update the, the logo as well because we're going to be entering year five of this podcast mm-hmm. next month. Um and we haven't seen the announcement for what next year is for ESO yet, so I haven't adjusted stuff. Last year I did it too soon and I had to readjust it because I, I thought it was going to be one thing and then it wasn't. Um, <laughs> but uh, Maybe welcome. this time we wait a little longer. <laughs> Maybe we wait a little longer this time. But welcome back, everybody. So glad you guys are here. This is the show where we cover everything about the Elder Scrolls games. And currently we've been going through Morrowind stuff. We talked about Amalexia uh, of the Tribunal last week. And this week we're digging into our favorite Mecha Wizard. Of, <laughs> of the, all of the games, Mecha God Wizard actually. Me- oh, Mecha God Wizard. That's I true. I didn't think of that until we're just now. Yeah, he made the title even longer. Oh yeah, the title of our Twitch stream as we do this live is called Elder Scrolls Most Mysterious Mecha Wizard. But yeah, it could have been Mecha God Wizard. Um, but yeah, we're talking about Sothasil, who we we talked about a little bit on the last episode. These episodes yep. are going to overlap a little bit because just inherently the tribunal tribunal, they're intrinsically linked (laughs) right they're intrinsically linked they're all kind of in the same boat until all of a sudden they're not which we're going to talk about uh when it gets to sothasil's demise at the end of the episode but uh just a reminder also that these are overviews of the characters we're not going to go into every single little detail or we would be here for like five hours uh so (laughs) little details like what actually is the uh the nature of the clockwork city and how does it work like any of that stuff we're gonna yeah what's his order of operations when designing a new sphere (laughs) right we're gonna pass on stuff like that yeah so we're gonna we're gonna cover a lot of this stuff and kind of go into some of these things in a little bit more detail than others but for the things that we could do whole episodes on we're gonna leave that out so uh um rob is just spoiling stuff in chat already so here let's get into it (laughs) lotus sotha <clears throat> Excuse me. Sothasil starts out in kind of uh, meager means. I mean, he's he's from a little island yes. called Sotha. A little more connected um, as well, because Sothasil not really just like well, how much of the stories you believe with the tribunal is mm-hmm. is up for interpretation, mm-hmm. but a little more bit of a humble beginning to Sothasil. Right. Yeah. He's he's from Ald Sotha. He's part yep. of the house Sotha. Sotha is like the last name. Sil is like the first name. Yeah. That's so, just Dunmary right. way of doing stuff. Yep. Right. So he has a sister, Sotha, Sotha now, and everything's all nice and fine and they're growing up. And then he gets these little uh, there's these little stories about things that he learned that turn him into kind of a philosopher later in life where, like, for example, he's hanging out by a bunch of Kwama eggs and throwing stones at the poor little creatures until one of them pipes up and says uh, and, and actually talks to him and says, um, 
Oh, I lost the quote. Oh, where did I put the quote? I had it on here. Oh, please, please have mercy, little boy, for what is sport to you is suffering and death to us. And if you're not familiar, Kwama, don't talk. Like, that's not a regular occurrence. Yeah, that's that's a little more of a fable type of thing, usually, than, than legitimately talking. Uh, you know, you've got your fairy tales and stuff like that written in the series, like the Brave Little Scrib and stuff like that, where they talk. But that's not... Right. Normally, like... It's weird when some creatures decide to suddenly communicate like that. That's so you have to kind of take that with a grain of salt of like, is there some type of magical influence is this or is this just kind of being dramatic? Right. This feels a lot like um, the kinds of myths that we tell in our own world, you know, where you have right. you know Greek myths and characters and things talk that don't normally talk. And it's because they're conveying a message and teaching a lesson. It's not because they're actually talking about the actual history of something. Yeah. Uh, there's another similar one where um, he decided to count every star and give each of them a name and it spent hours on end doing this until he fell asleep and when he woke he saw that the stars had vanished and began to weep because it was daytime <laughs> learning the lesson that time cages all tasks so we're limited by time we're limited by the things that we don't think hurt others but they actually do all of these life lessons he learned growing up and then Mayron's Dagon decides to just you know destroy his village yeah and just everybody screw you I'm going to destroy this and everyone you love take that yeah. because I'm Mayrun's Dagon. Because <laughs> that's what Mayrun's Dagon does. Um, so uh, so Thassil is the last of the Sotha clan. And uh, later on in life, we come to find out that he ends up um, working alongside Vivek in order to be a, uh, uh, I guess, a guide, a mentor, it's not really a mentor, an advisor for um, for uh, the Nerevar. Yes, um, which is which is interesting. Just before we go down that, I don't rabbit hole tangent, whatever <laughs> that uh -huh. story. Uh, one thing that I I find interesting about this because Sothasil is a pretty unique character, um, and one of the things that I find interesting because oftentimes he's you know even as we were joking earlier the mecha wizard and it's like okay very you know being in a mentor type of status seems very befitting of Sothasil. But when you hear about stuff from Vivek's perspective, it was Vivek a lot of times teaching Sothasil because he was... And it's just very interesting. Of course it was. Yeah, of course it was. Uh, it's, just very, it's very interesting exactly like what what the... I mean, obviously, we'll get more into that, you know, in, in, but it's just... it's it's interesting to think because i feel him being the mentor and trying to learn these things and then portray that knowledge onto others definitely fits and it's just funny because depending upon who you hear the stories from it's oh well you know i found you know so the sale and blah 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 and it's like mm -hmm. mm, did that really happen because that doesn't seem as much like the way you ever see sotha sale or honestly hear about sotha in any pers any other situation except i forget which of the 36 lessons specifically makes reference to it but right, right. just something that I, th I i always find amusing when kind of discussing him from a teacher aspect right yeah vivek and sothasil supposedly known each other a very long time yeah and um they both end up as these advisors to the nerevar and uh like both of them are contemplative Yes, we can good, say that that's a good way of putting what they, they are. are both thinkers. Uh, Vivek and Sothasil have uh, thoughts for different reasons, I think. <laughs> Sothasil so. is contemplating the nature of reality and how to further improve according to what he believes would improve reality is the sense I get. He's he's wrestling with the the inherent terrible nature of things and trying to figure out how to even with his godly powers actually mm -hmm. make a dent and make things different and better in some way and he struggles with it that's the sense i get from his character vivek and amalexia respond differently to godhood amalexia initially like we discussed last week um decides to use her powers for things that she knows will create better situations for people's lives she becomes mother Mor morrowind and she reaches out in kind of a motherly fashion and helps those around her in need uh vivek we'll talk about more next week but he uses powers and what i would consider more of a self 
self-centered kind of way. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And um, yeah, we'll dig into that more in the future. But they both are contemplative about the nature of reality and what things actually mean, what godhood means, what mortality means, all of these kinds of things. They're right. they're natural philosophers in their in uh, in how they interact with the world. Yep. Um, and so uh, the events of Morrowind happen with the Nerevar and the uh, discovery of um, <laughs> the heart of Lorcan and all mm-hmm. of that stuff, which we've talked about before. We don't need to recap all of that. Yep. And Sothasil is involved with this as well and gains godly powers. Ta-da. Yep. And uh, it, which his thirst for knowledge seems like he would have most likely been one of the driving factors to use the tools on the heart to potentially find some type of divinity type of deal. Um, yeah, I would imagine it comes from a place of his um, curious nature curiosity. makes me think right. that it would really kind of like, because there's always the speculation of like, well, what exactly happened? Who did what? You know, all the, and I feel like just his curiosity would basically prevent him from being able to walk away from that situation. It's like, well, I have to know. Like, it's like, I can just yeah. it's right there. <laughs> I'll never be in this situation again. We need to find out what happens. Right, exactly. Is this really the heart of yep. a god? If it is, what will happen if we engage with it? Yeah, I, I, I would imagine that, like, I mean, he seems like a natural scientist. He needed yes. to try things out and see what would happen. Um, and then he takes that that godhood and he he... He becomes he, he starts to tinker with reality, I think is the best yeah. way to put it. And becomes the, a little mini god himself. Right. And the clockwork city the powers like literally yeah. creating a world that he is essentially the god of. Right. So we can talk about the clockwork city. The clockwork city is a it's a, it's a separate realm of existence that exists both in no place in time and space, but also in a confined little globe that he keeps yeah. underneath the city of Mornhold. And, right. and it's a, it, when we say like a little globe, we mean like literally like almost like an oversized snow globe. <laughs> right. And in order to get into it, you have to be shrunken down using magical means in order to enter enter the Clockwork City. And everything in the Clockwork City operates according to the way Sothisil designed it. Unless all of a sudden things don't operate that way. And then that means something else is going on that seems to be symbolic. And um, my my sense of this is that this is representative of Sothasil's um, struggle with the nature of reality and his want to create something that was more rational, more predictable and devoid of a a certain sense of natural evil the kinds of terrible things that happen to people like you know your village getting squashed by mayroon's dagon or just a volcano opening up for no reason because plate tectonics or whatever right this is his way of of saying okay well what if i create a world where that stuff doesn't happen and everything's mechanized and everything happens in a certain order the same way all the time would that be a better reality? And so he decides to test that out. That's the sense I have of this, although that mm-hmm. isn't actually written in those words anywhere. I, I've always gotten a very similar feel um, from, from the way everything is portrayed in the games. And that's that's just it. <clears throat> um, much like the series leaves stuff ambiguous a lot of times. A lot of the thought around Sothasil and the reason he does stuff is very nebulous. Like they, they, mm-hmm. there aren't a lot of. It's just kind of he's mysterious. It seems and if he, and if you ever ask him anything in any of the games, he always gives you some like bonkers, like v- way too wordy response that doesn't right. both doesn't answer your question and leaves you with more. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Everything is very, very, very like metaphorical a lot of the times. Um, one one of the things specifically related to the Clockwork City DLC from the Elder Scrolls Online, at the end of the DLC, um, you can meet him out at a garden that he's created. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can basically just have a very long talk with Sothasil out in this garden. And it's just like contemplates like the idea of the meaning of life and all this stuff. And it's just very interesting because he waxes poetic for a really long time. And it almost seems like it, it's he gives this eerie feeling. Again, this isn't something overtly said. It's just kind of always a, a thing. And I felt this Elder Scrolls Online did a good job of 
musically and um, artistically designing the zone to look like this. But in his constant search for this and kind of just being in his own head so much, there's a very lonely feel to him just like being on this path of discovery by himself all the time and he's essentially alienated alienated himself from the people that he originally came from because he wasn't always divine so to speak right so he's like literally not even part of the people he right well and existed with before and now it's just this world he's created is so sterile and he has to control all this stuff and he has all these people who quote unquote love him and stuff like that. And that's fine, but it's, he's basically very secular compared to everything else. <laughs> it's, it's, it's his own little world essentially. Right. And it's got a very, like when he speaks, it's got like a lonely tone to it. Some of the times when he references stuff yeah. and the zone itself is like, got a weird sadness to it, which I've always wondered if the, I assume that's intentional because it seems to, pervade throughout a lot of things related to Sothisil. Yeah. You know, this is a theme that comes up in movies and books a lot. This idea that the pursuit of knowledge is both constructive and destructive. It's constructive in that it, it equips you with more understanding of the world and you're better able to handle the things that you come across. You, you can educate others, things sure. like that. But when somebody pursues knowledge to the point beyond everyone around them and also isolates them, Sure. And, and that's the feeling to, I get from this. It, it is. I, I Exactly. And the other thing is, you know, if you want to just go super concretely too, he's he's the last of his clan. They all died. Right. right. <laughs> like, yeah. He he's isolated in so many left. ways. Yeah, it is. It's just so that like feeling of loneliness and isolation. I just have always found oddly unsettling when dealing with Sothisil. It's just very right. strange and very unique to that character. Right. He's also the only of the tribunal who takes on the Dunmary coloring. Yes. Of the skin entirely Dunmary as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, you get the three different variants of all Chimary, all Dunmary and 50-50. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Amalexa was all Chimer still and Vivek right. is half and half, like directly down the middle. Yes, um, objectively being exactly what the two are. Right, right. Yeah. And I, I don't I don't know for sure the reason for that. I would imagine it has something to do with uh, a certain sense of taking responsibility for the actions and that kind of thing. Uh, and right. being and willing to take Sotha on the curse. Always, Sothisil always seemed a little more prone to if he screws up, it's not like, oh, well, here's a poem about why I was actually the best. <laughs> Thanks, Vivek. Or, or, yeah, <laughs> right, right. Or, or another situation of, well, I, you know, this is for the betterment of you and you just don't understand it. He seems like a lot of times, like, which it tends to go hand in hand with, you know, scientific discovery. When you screw up, you learn from what you screwed up from. Right, right. And then try to not replicate the problem he's not avoiding it he seems a little more prone to when something doesn't go properly like and again mate he's a little bit more self-aware i feel than the others ones in the tribunal yes especially well actually we'll get into his ultimate self-awareness toward the end when it relates to his lifespan uh <laughs> yeah no i agree I, I think a lot ahead otherwise I, I think very much so much like you're saying much like a scientist that he's willing yeah. to like this was a everything's Everything's an experiment, and if it goes the way you expected with your hypothesis, that's fine. But if it doesn't, that's you learn even more from that. So correct, accept it's it. Like, move okay, on. Well, what did I learn from this not being like? Why wasn't it what I thought? Right. Like, or why did something terrible happen from this action? Okay, I need to correct. own that and move on. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I very much get the sense of that too. And um, we can go more into the Clockwork City in a separate episode. The other thing I wanted to mention is the Cold Harbor Compact, which yes. is very interesting. And gives him the story of this gives him some closure with the whole Mayrun's Dagon thing. Basically, in his seeking to make the world a better place, he decides to confront uh, towards the end of the first era, the um, eight of the more prominent Daedric princes, including Azura, Boethia, Hermaeus Mora, Hercene, Malakath, Mayrun's Dagon, Molech Bal, and Sheogorath, all of whom sound extremely dangerous if you get on the wrong side of any of them. Um, And basically, we don't know the details, but he got them all together in a plane of oblivion somewhere and basically said, here's the deal. You're no longer going to be able to invade Tamriel directly 
you can commune with individuals, you can communicate, you can do those kinds of things, but you you cannot set foot personally in Tamriel. And whether this was a negotiation and he gave them something in order to purchase this from them, or it was some sort of threat and he had the power or the backup of other powers at the time. That's what's most interesting about yeah. this we don't they've never gone into the fine details of the situation and as a side effect of that that is weird like what yeah what was he holding over their heads have, like what? right like what do you either have to negotiate with or as an a form of leverage against not just one daedric prince all of these daedric princes Eight of like, them what, of the most what, powerful ones right like what could you possibly have that would make all of them not only agree with you but they all are kind of on terms with like yeah no wait we can't do this like okay this seems like a this is a deal we're gonna abide by yeah and it's like what did he outsmart <laughs> them maybe maybe he realized that somehow their incompatibilities with each other would pit them against each other and so he found a way to like I don't know, to Sheogoreth them or something. Right. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, he's a smart guy. Like, maybe. Sure. Maybe he calculated it all out and was like, if I do this, these all these things cancel each other out and they'll never be able to unify against me. But either way, I mean, the ball's on that guy. (laughs) Holy moly. Big big play. Big (laughs) Big play. play. But of course, one of these uh, decides not to go with it and invades. And that is Mayroon's Dagon, who decides to um, break the Cold Cold Harbor Compact and um, basically invades another location. Yeah. And of course, starts destroying everything because that's what Mayroon's Dagon does. And uh, Almalexia and Sothisil stand up against him and take him on and kick his butt which is pretty cool Almalexia plunges hope's fire into dagon's flesh and carves him from within freaking awesome and sothisil enacts vengeance for ald satha and used god bronze whips and this is all very kirk Brideian language by the oh, way oh yeah to lash the prince into submission and then eventually uh while while mayroon's was down like i, I imagine mayroon's like taking a knee here he goes up and whispers his Nimic, like his true name, which somehow yeah. Sothisil has discovered into his ear, which everybody like this is one of those classic fantasy tropes of like, if you understand something's true name, you can gain power over them. Yeah. And it, it's something ironically used against uh, Mayroon's Dagon specifically in multiple games. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. the premise of the Elder Scrolls Legend Battlespire. That was to my dismay because I had to write down the protonymic and neonymic, which his original name and then his new formed name in the game. And it was something like 47 characters long with like three <laughs> oh, I, I remember you I'm trying like, to, I read it out on that one episode. Remember that? I, yeah. yeah. And so it's like, that is a thing where regularly that keeps Mayrun's Dagon in check. It, it's not even like a one-time thing. That is that is yeah. consistently like a, a controlling mechanism for him, it seems like. Yeah, which leads me to believe that he is like foundational among the powers, like one yes. of the oldest of the powers or, or something like that. Which would make sense when we were talking about the Daedric Princess. He definitely dated right. back pretty much toward one of the original ones. Right. So anyway, so he uses this to... Um, uh, basically stop Mayroons and kind of get what's coming to him for what he did before. Uh, but it's also explained that when he whispered the new, new I'm sorry, the Nimic in, uh, in his ear, the prince, quote, exploded throughout all time. Yeah. Kirk, Which again, Kirk Brydian, what the heck does that even mean? It, it, it is. And also it, it's the same thing that happens at the end of Elder Scrolls Battlespire. I'd say spoilers for Battlespire, but me and the other 11 people who ever played this game, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure they already know the ending or just shattered the game trying to play it because it's very frustrating. Um, but yes, it the very 90s-esque uh, FMVs, in mm-hmm. in some of the older games mm-hmm. the one of mayroon's dagon from that game where he very much looks like goro uh, <laughs> right <laughs> yes. when you say his name you literally poke him once and he spirals off into the distance and explodes into light and it's just like wow this is very dramatic like 
Think yeah. Michael Bay with an unlimited budget, and that's pretty much what you have for apparently if you whisper his name. <laughs> right. He's like, no. <laughs> Blasting off again. Yeah. Like Team Rocket or something. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's that's what happens with the Cold Harbor compact. And um, of course, that's another episode full of stuff we can get into with that. And um just kind of sum up the rest of it, and we're not going to go too de- detailed into this stuff. The second era, there are events that happen with the Clockwork City, with ESO, and some other yep. stuff that goes on there. Yeah, um, I kind of reference some of those, but I mean, I, it's definitely a DLC worth playing through. It's also one of mm-hmm. the shorter ones. Yeah, uh, yeah, but so, it's really cool because you get a lot of time where you get to like hang out with Sothasil and ask questions, and he actually it is. talks. To and you. the end, the end part, I thought was specifically very, very well done. When when you complete the storyline um, and get to kind to like talk to him in that weird garden thing he has a lot to say like they fleshed out the character quite a bit in that one listening to him talk and stuff like that right yeah it's pretty good and then we have the third era which are the events of the game morrowind and we talked a little bit about it last week but Poor Sothasil gets yep. uh, framed here. Almalexia sends a bunch of his machinations against people and has them murdering everybody. And everyone's like, oh, he's gone crazy. But he wasn't gone crazy. And he was murdered by Almalexia at the end. Right. And, and uh, it's very much because ESO kind of hints at it in a way. You actually get the scene. Uh, you you see Sothasil like in in Morrowind. You get this scene of him strong, or he's like attached to his robotic yeah. creation. Right. Kind of, it, it's kind of like a weird. He looks almost crucified into it type of thing, and he's just died and decomposed and blah blah blah. And you actually get a very similar scene in that same room in the Clockwork City, like mm. a, a, a version of that room. So you get a very similar image. Uh, in ESO, which is kind of interesting that there's like a callback to that scene. Or foreshadowing to or, it. Yeah. And that's the big thing, yeah. is I always got the impression that Sothasil seemed to know that his time had basically come. Mm-hmm. And it was like, yeah, I mean, it's going to happen. Where well, that's one like, of his things is is about how the nature of reality is unchanging. And right. ultimately, like he goes on these like philosophical tirades, but one yep. of them is that like everything's set like right. he nothing he he does or can do or will do wasn't somehow already preordained the nature right. of reality is unchanging there is not actually free will leaning very very heavily into the idea of like the elder scrolls themselves like having this like layout of how the universe works and it's just like right. yeah, we're just part right. of this right unless and, and, you're a prisoner and then it gets into the, that whole right thing. and then <laughs> right. can you break it and morph but it and stuff like that. i guess if but. you realize that that's not you you're not a prisoner right. you're then just, you're just like any of his machinations going about the things that you're going to do no matter what and your end time is going to be your end time no matter what and there's nothing you can do about it yeah he seemed very accepting of his fate um yeah and kind of seemed like he was aware what was what was coming type of deal right um which is i don't know that's that's definitely going to be kind of weird to come to terms with i would imagine just like yeah. okay well yeah. Here is my expiration date, give or take a couple minutes type of deal, probably. Yeah. Now, one other thing before we go to the mid-break, because we got to do the mid-break, and then we'll talk about the artifacts, because Lotus loves the artifacts. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that is very interesting about him is that over time, he slowly, like, replaces parts of his body with... Yes. I mean, he's he's basically the closest thing we get to a cyborg... Yes, very mechanical. He looks like he's built of a lot of the parts that he uses to create right. all of his creations. Like his whole uh, left side of him, his left like arm that. and all of that. And yes. initially when you look at it, you think, oh, he's wearing like metal gauntlets yeah, no, on it's... one side of his body or a part of his face is it has a mask on it. That has actually been the biological parts have actually been replaced yes and and it seems like um that also ties in because a lot of his apostles which are his followers and people who live in the clockwork city have very similar situations when they've recovered from injuries Mm -hmm. so i almost wonder if this is a degree of him using himself as a test bed in order to yeah um like okay well how to learn how to build the prosthetics yeah whoop let's all right let's ditch my arm and see what i can do oh it works on me well now it's way easier to do it to somebody else now that i've perfected it type of deal so i always got this weird feeling it's like it seemed like he was replacing 
parts of himself almost in like more tests to like, okay, well now I can prolong the life of people who are maimed or whatever. And, and all his citizens or followers or any of that stuff. Right. Well, it makes sense because he is, uh, but Rob reminds us, Pelinal is the cyborg. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, Musotha is the, of the ones that we get to meet. He's the most cyborg like, but that makes sense being that like, he has godlike powers. So if he were to chop off his arm and not figure out how to build an extra arm, then he's the one who's most likely to be able to grow that back <laughs> compared to the individuals right. that he might be testing on. So why not test on yourself? And, and it also goes back to scientists. There are scientists who, because they couldn't get approval to do tests on others, actually te- did tests on themselves. And because they were they were believed so much in the thing that they were trying yep. to discover. Um, so that, that's also convince anybody to go along with it. If you're the one that's already going along with it. Right. Yeah. Down to the point of like giving yourself diseases and things like that in order to test cures, uh, which sounds right. nuts, but that's amazing. It's amazing stuff. So tell you what, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to go thank our new patrons and then we'll be back talking about the artifacts. So don't go anywhere. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel strike force. I freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, a anniversary diamond orb gear a bunch of other items it is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code maxpool m-a-x-p-o-o-l maxpool don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to marvel strike force for sponsoring this episode at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is Hamish Morak. Dragonborn, and you are educating yourself to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. All right, here we are in the middle of the show, and we get to thank three new patrons this week Wade C and Elise M. And uh, there's one more. I just skipped over it. Jeffrey C. Welcome to the Patreon. Oh, oh there's a four. There's fourth. Kel- uh, Kelsey L. I'm so bad at this. I've been doing this a long time and I'm so not good at it. Uh, welcome to the Patreon. I'm glad you guys are here. I hope you are enjoying the bonus episodes of like 90 something of those really early episodes that you get access to on the Patreon. Ad free episodes. Uh, t-shirts. I know some of our hoodies have gone out. I've seen them out in the wild and some of the pictures yeah, people have cool. sent me. Very cool stuff. Lots of different stuff good. you can get on the Patreon. Uh, patreon.com slash elder scrolls lorecast if you want to check out that stuff and uh no new reviews this week so if you'd like to help us out we'd love a five-star review on apple Podcasts with some words and we will read that out in the future otherwise you can give us five-star ratings on spotify or apple or whatever you're listening to us on if it allows you to do that that helps as well um and lotus we're we're in 2023 now Yep. This is we'll uh, be finding out what's uh, on the horizon very, very soon. It seems like also maybe us covering the Great Houses of Morrowind and then followed by the tribunal ties into next year's thing of possibly being on the Telvanni Peninsula more than anybody realized. Maybe we're just going to have to look see. like geniuses are complete morons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we've had in the ESO stuff so far, we've had Sotha Sill in the Clock Crusader. We've had a lot of Vivek in the Morrowind stuff. Mm-hmm. We haven't had a ton of Almalexia. No, it was really kind of just in base game with the Ebonheart Pact. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about it. And we've yet to ever really get our mitts much on the te- uh, the Telvanni Peninsula and that whole area. Haven't really had that 
with much of a focus. So it would be interesting. And that is a portion of the map that is undiscovered. There have been a couple little hints at it in last year's High Isle. Uh, you're the Bretons thing. So, eh, you know, that's it'll be interesting. I, I'm certainly... Yeah. Also, if we're ever going to get spellcrafting, I was very wrong <laughs> with the idea of spellcrafting originally. I, I still don't know how that would pull off exactly, but it has been on their idea block since like 2015 or something really, really something long crazy. ago when like uh, I was like at a QuakeCon or something like that. But um, yeah. again, yeah. I, I was expecting if we were ever going to see it, it would probably be with the whole skyrim thing because college of winterhold the, yeah right and but I'm it like, wasn't oh, yeah. we didn't get it. it it wasn't we didn't get that but okay the the whole portion of the map based on the great house of the douchebag wizards like <laughs> yes the house of what, douchebag wizards like there, here's another entry point like who better to give us spellcrafting in Elder Scrolls Online than the Telvanni? The like, douchebag you know, wizards. Sure. Right, douchebag wizards. Why not? Why not? All right. Well, maybe we'll get that. We'll see. We'll We've been out. wrong before. We sure have. I've definitely been wrong before, but I, hey. I got like maybe a 22% hit rate at this point <laughs> after all these years. That's still better than like any real world uh, psychic. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Look at the, if you if you're wondering about psychics in the real world go look up websites that document all their predictions and which ones actually happen oh, good. <laughs> it's actually worse than like the average of just a regular person <laughs> amazing which is awesome all right anyway that's the middle of the show we got more stuff to talk about here we go you're listening to the elder scrolls lorecast dear child of cities that is why the night mother loves you all right, so it's artifact time. Uh, it Lotus, is artifact this is time. Your, this is your bread and butter. Is there one you want to start with? It is. So one thing I actually wanted to just mention at, right before we dive into the artifacts, um, and I had mentioned it, I don't remember which, again, you record enough that you kind of lose track of what was recorded when, um, but one of the things, because it's kind of like almost like a segue from his creations into these artifacts. So I figured I would just save it for the very end before we switch over. Mm -hmm. um, I had mentioned it before, but like his sister dying uh, back when he was a kid. Right. One of the things that I always thought was interesting, um, just because I, I don't think it's ever been more than alluded to, but they all have uh, his fabricants have this weird voice. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And it and it's it's got a female tinge to it, but it, I mean it's robotic, um, and it's thought to be. And they say really weird things sometimes, like mm -hmm. not even related to like some of them are related to like functions of like sweeping the floor or whatever, and some of them are like awakened screaming and stuff like that. It's like okay, what was that little bit in between the sweeping the floor part? What was what was that about awakening screaming? Like, um, yeah, it's it's it it kind of alludes to the fact that those actually might be the voice and memories of his dead sister put into right, that is right. dark well there's some there's it's some true. lore around the fact that when he was building the clockwork city he was trying to find better ways of powering all the mechanized things right so he was doing experiments with soul gems he was able to, yes. to engineer soul gems into black soul gems and then uh basically came up with another uh method to to power things using um what was it called I don't have it in front of me right now, what but the there's there's another device yeah. that works kind of like a battery, but it only works for certain purposes. And right. a lot of the stuff in the Clockwork City uses those. But the idea that a soul, a person's soul can be like in a black soul gem and then also be powering a mechanized creature that's also human like is right. kind of creepy I'm, when you think it, about it. It is. And as it's one of those situations of like oftentimes where it's like. In, in stories where people are like, well, I wish I, I, I have wishes. I wish so-and-so would come back. 
but they're back the way they died so it's not at yeah. all how you intend right so it's like is this a thing where it's like oh maybe there'd be a way to reanimate her but what she remembers is her horrific death so it's like right it's constantly that's tormented not a good way to come back at all so yeah yeah like most of us have like you know those nights where you're trying to fall asleep and you remember that really embarrassing thing you did in high school or whatever mm -hmm. right imagine yep. being <laughs> having to be <laughs> the psychological damage of dying and then coming back and coming back that's going to be way way worse than you know the right when you got pants in high school or something yeah you know, like. <laughs> exactly one <laughs> right. neither seem great but one of right. them i think i you know i think i'd probably take getting pants a couple times at that point as opposed to hey remember that time you were burned alive in your own hut it's like right yeah remember that one time mm -hmm. i was hitting on that girl i really liked and i said the most stupid thing ever and yeah. lost all chances of ever yes <laughs> right. like that's that's just barely that barely scratches the surface when yeah it comes to so i just wanted to bring that up once more just because that does tie very much into him and i find it an exceptionally creepy part of like lore that kind of relates to uh, more of his experiments type of thing yeah but um yeah jumping directly into his artifacts uh i want to bring up the the ones that are probably the most well known of keening sunder and Wraithguard, mm -hmm. just because these uh, are super crucial to pretty much the entirety of the series after the elder scrolls 3 in elder scrolls 3 and onward um but the uh the snippet that we're going to use from the uh the unofficial elder scrolls pages the loss of the heart of lorcan led to sothasil to develop his own versions of these uh of the heart of lorcan and it's called the mechanical heart which is another artifact we'll talk about in a minute right um but to siphon the mechanical heart's power, Sothasil created his own variants of Kagranax tools, which are the ones that I literally just mentioned from how they Keening, Sunder, and Wraithguard. Right. Yes. His right. is also, it's got a Roman numeral two. two. It's, right. Yeah. It's, it's the sequel Duke's, to the original. It's the sequel, right. right. It's his versions of them. Yeah. Um, which the Kagernex tools um, to control, shape, or even dismantle it if necessary. So basically, he gave himself like a out button with his mm -hmm. which is good to have safeguards when you're screwing with stuff like this sure. um he foresaw his oh he foresaw his eventual death at death at the hands of amalexia and eventually hid his tools uh as a precaution across nern to prevent the heart's power from ever being stolen again really good to have kind of like a safeguard for this situation mm -hmm. the location of the tools was lost after his demise though some tales describe a forgotten hero reclaiming it circa four fourth era 201 but um basically these are your we don't we don't have Kagernax tools we have our own at home like you don't need new Kagernax <laughs> right. tools we have our own at home right he basically made that happen because yeah. he didn't you know what I mean so he mom I want he, transformers but we have those at home no those are go bots yeah, yeah exactly right. and that's pretty much what we got with this this set of tools and I thought it was worth mentioning because the originals were so important to mm -hmm the series going forward uh it's kind of funny that kind of he has his own version of all of them it makes sense um, like he's the kind of guy if anybody was going to create those it would be him well and it gives him more time to tinker because mm -hmm. again that whole pilgrimage thing and then things go south with dagathar being like hell no this is you get off my mountain this is my heart now like yeah. type of deal having your own version of it to tinker with is pretty good because also if you screw it up it's it's not the same thing you didn't destroy the only one you destroyed your replica right so then that's the mechanical heart right which i that's we should probably replica. do that one next which right. is the mechanical heart well here uh, here I'll, I'll read out that one yeah go because uh, this is the next essentially artifact so yeah so also referred to as the new heart of lorcon is a mechanical replication of the heart of lorcon which makes sense because he yes. makes re mechanical replications of the nature of reality so why not right right it first began development shortly after the events that occurred in the second era 882 where dagoth or er, awakened and, and then ambushed and nearly killed the tribunal during their annual pilgrimage to red mountain this is all the stuff that happened when they were heading down to the heart the first time yeah, is basically kind of what kicks off how all this stuff gets started where they start losing some of their godliness right so the event results in the tribunal being cut off from their access to the heart of lorcon and the mechanical heart project would be conceived by sothasil as a backup to ameliorate the loss of the original heart of Lorcan. So, well, we can't get to the original heart, but maybe I can make something similar enough to it yeah. that it'll help give us the powers or whatever we need. Yeah, from maybe it. this is enough that we can right. kind of stay divine. Right. So, which sounds crazy, but 
I guess he had the power and wisdom of a god, so... Right, and they had been taking their pilgrimage for so long. I assume he's probably not just going up, giving it a whack and being like, well, I'll recharge, and then not thinking about it. That doesn't seem like that would fit. It would be very much like oh, why am I getting this power? Why does this work like this mm-hmm. type of thing? So then naturally wanting to see if you could duplicate that could be a total path that he would take. Absolutely. And then they don't even have to worry about anybody keeping them from the heart because they, they've they got one at home, like you mentioned. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you want to move on to the mask? Yeah, next? we the mask of Sothasil, which actually this one I was not as... Um, I, I guess not as accustomed to messing with uh, uh, it's not one that you use very often no uh so the mask of sothasil is a blessed mask also known as the killing mask of the tribunal god sothasil it embodies his idea of oh boy uh, avanesis perfect thank you yeah. that was beautifully done a uh, 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 yeah, a new Vanassi. That's the way whatever. The first way you said it, it was nice and smooth. I believe you. <laughs> yeah, I, I put an extra S at the end. But yeah. eh, what are you gonna do? <laughs> uh, whose one of many goals was where their life would undergo a synthesis of organic and non-organic nature, akin to the fabricants. So all mm-hmm. of those little creatures that he keeps making. Right. Uh, over time, Sothasil's body would become more and more synthetic, and his mask changed to undergo this trans- transformation. His followers, the Clockwork Apostles, who I kind of mentioned earlier, just his like little minions. Think of them as they, they're represented very similar to like his own little church. Yeah, they're like uh, little monks and nuns and things. Yeah. That's, that sort of thing. Um, mimic the synthesis by modifying their bodies, uh, as well as craft their own headwear in the Clockwork God's image. So basically, this is his little face device Mm -hmm. um which it's funny i I never really thought of it as a separate artifact honestly (laughs) Um, yeah well i guess there's one for amalexia the war mask and and there is and that's the thing there's there's two more there's an amalexia amalexia one and a vivek one (laughs) right um and actually we had mentioned amalexias because it was ridiculous looking it was very yeah None of more these her war war version of right. what she wanted people to look like when she kind of went on her tirade. Yeah, none of these are flattering. And uh, <laughs> this one, the killing mask, you don't think of Sothasil as a killer. I mean, I suppose he took Maroons to task, but sure. Yeah, but that's yeah, that's definitely not how you would necessarily. F- I, I certainly wouldn't consider him a killer to start with. Sure. Um so and and that's just it. it it kind of becomes part of him the way you know their other mechanical parts are it's kind of ironic we talked about the pieces being put together and we didn't actually read the fine details on his yeah so the sill mask yeah you know one thing i didn't do at the beginning is mention the other names that he goes by um oh some people call yeah, him I suppose set. that would be somewhat important yeah so, so the sill also known as never. set s-e-h-t and then he's part of the alm civi the si part of the alm civi yeah. civi like name squished together thing which we talked about last time so just wanted to put that out there before we got to the end of the I, show that's actually a good point I, I i didn't even think of that yeah so um there is an item that is mentioned called uh sets effect inducer which is a device that can manipulate a person's emotions and, this is just creepy <laughs> uh, yeah this is part of i think this is one of those like part of like a little quest line in eso or something yeah i, I um, think so too and so yeah, okay uh weird yeah. but all right who knows but he probably invented lots of things and they probably got you know misplaced and then somebody ended yeah up just with it or the idea behind this one is unsettling though where it's mm-hmm. kind of just like that little flashy thing from the men in black right. this one makes you do what he wants <laughs> yeah yeah man sometimes you know it's, you know days when you're just like eh, i'm having a rough day if you just like flash yourself with a little device and be like everything's fine now this is great much better now wait that's called alcohol um oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> uh and also much worse side effects <laughs> i don't drink enough i guess uh then the the final item is called sunara Sunara is a powerful staff-like device created by the clockwork god Sothasil. Translated as the blessed staff, it combines clockwork technology with magica. This whole mechanized and magic thing. Mechana wizard. Mecha wizard. Mechana wizard. That's what we're talking about. It was used by Sothasil to study his divine powers. By draining minute pieces of his own energy into a reservoir, he could study it and then return the energy back into himself, which seems like a really useful device if you're trying to design something like a mechanical heart that can 
funnel powers back and forth, right? Like, seems like it would be useful. Yeah. Seems like one of those tools that also would be useful. This is another ESO item. So, um, but you know, that's a good number of little, little bits and bobs and items here. Yeah. Not as many as like the Daedric Princes, but sure. Still, but a decent amount of trinkets. Some trinkets. It'd be cool to get other stuff in future games and be like, I mean, Sothasil especially. Like, you know, he yeah. was crafting all sorts of crazy crap. Yes. The only problem, uh, depending upon where the series takes place, I suppose, is he's also Sotha dead. So he's not going to be making any new stuff. Yeah, but... He's going to kind of rummage through his stuff and find what else he made. Right. Like, what happens with the Clockwork City? Does he have, like, a whole catalog of other things there that all of a sudden get out right. and are used by other people to do things? There's... I mean, I could, I can think of a dozen ways of being like, oh, well, this, you know, this is a way we got more Sotha Sil stuff, even though he's not actually doing anything anymore right um so but that's i think that does it for our overview uh yeah, there's definitely some decent bit of sotha yeah there's definitely some other topics we could dive into in future episodes and get a little bit deeper on um especially like the clockwork city because it's so yeah, freaking and it cool definitely won't be the last time we have to mention set in one method or another as he ties into quite a bit of the series right right well Lotus, you got anything else going on before we head out? Um, no, we did our big year-end wrap-up uh, for Tales, um, and we didn't have an episode uh, this week to kick off the year. <clears throat> when you said wrap-up, I, I thought, like, rap, like like oh, music. Like Spotify wrapped? No, no, like music, and then I thought, oh, like, rap yeah, battle, no. and no, then I thought, like, that. you and Ark having, like, a... It was a four-hour-long Yearly rap <laughs> battle at the end of no, it. No, no, we didn't, we didn't do that. We didn't... Well, that's a bummer. I, nobody would want to hear that, and I certainly wouldn't <laughs> want to edit that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, you just get, you uh, just get real good, and then you don't have to edit. <laughs> um... But yeah, so we, we kind of covered like the year in review, which is definitely very spoilery. Um, but a lot of people have had, you know, interesting thoughts. And we kind of dove into what we thought might be coming in the current the, the upcoming year. Um, so the, those were kind of our last two episodes of the year. They were incredibly long uh, because it was about six hours worth of podcasts in the last two weeks of the year. Yeah. Um, so it, we kind of covered just everything we could. We didn't record this week because I had mentioned to you, I've got some real life stuff that has had me very preoccupied at the moment, but right. things have managed to work out where it's like time wise, things are balanced well enough that I can still manage to do this, but we're waiting on a reveal. So I figured, well, why squeeze out a show about nothing there if we maybe by next week we might have a little snippet, a five second trailer like they love to do to us. where it's like, oh, yeah. here's three seconds. What do you think? And then everybody goes wild for, you know, two weeks until we find out that we're all wrong and it has nothing to do with anything. I swear that the movement of the ships on that last one from last year was the wrong freaking direction. <laughs> I, I, you did. Ma- so even though it was funny, I, I remember that whole episode <laughs> as much as I was like, I don't think you're right, but you make our damn compelling argument i was right about them getting the direction wrong right yes i was yeah, right about this wrong was laid out right. on the table the, you know, exactly objectively does not work it doesn't right. make so sense like, oh, for the perspective of the character yes i, know. I was I like that was i very, figured yeah, that was it out interesting because they they're going to assume that we think certain things and then we're but look <clears> at the way the map is it's backwards then no it's just no. it was a cinematic reasons for just making it look interesting or yeah something. i know just it didn't actually it make cool. any rational sense so right. I'm on to you, ESO. <laughs> and your sweet blur trailers that might have logical inconsistencies. Now I'm now I know not to look at the logical inconsistencies and only look at the stuff you purposely added there. <laughs> I thought I was being clever. But, I was um, too smart and now I'm alone like South Hill. <laughs> See, you thought yourself right into a corner. I guess I did. Oh well. Eh. But um yeah, so that that's pretty much it. Uh hopefully well, we'll be recording tales next week no matter what um regardless of what we get announcement or not but other than that i've just been playing through in my game time uh I, you know i'll play some eso when i get a chance but my big thing is i've been really uh diving into uh, the elder scrolls 2 daggerfall which is quite a wild ride um, <laughs> yeah that game is real ahead of its time but i will say <laughs> unlike arena and Battlespire, which there were a myriad of flaws with them but i understood like the basis was there and stuff like that. That was, you know, I saw where they were going. Daggerfall is so ahead of its time. It's blowing my mind on a semi-regular basis. Like, wow. 
this game has so much to it. It's really, really impressive. And actually, it's a shocking amount of fun for being a game that old, too. It's still a little rough, but it's very playable, especially in the Unity version. Um, so mm-hmm. it's it's been really fun to do. And then I've just been throwing out the videos. Uh, tons of people hang out with me live and watch me blunder around. <laughs> and then uh, I've just been throwing up the recorded versions for people to watch. And I've been very surprised how much people have commented that they really enjoy watching somebody blunder through the game, like not having any direction <laughs> and just trying to figure it out as they go. Well, it's, and, it's, uh, it's like a podcast. It's easier to put on while you're doing something it, else. right? Exactly. And, and that's what I've been told. To They're like, ah, it's just great. And several people have been like, yeah, it's really great because now I don't have to play the game and I know how it works. <laughs> it's like, yeah. perfect. Glad to help. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Daggerfall, I saw a video today from six months ago from a mod for Skyrim that I didn't realize existed, which is weird because I pay a lot of attention to the modding scene okay. uh, called Skygerfall and somebody modded in the ability to play the main quest line of Daggerfall in the Skyrim engine. Really? Yeah, and it uses multiple mods from multiple other people. You have to go through sure. a whole thing and download like it's not one person did the whole thing. They're like, oh, somebody made these skeleton monsters and somebody made this type of texture and whatever. And basically somebody made the level up system from Daggerfall to replace yeah, the one yeah. from Skyrim. And basically you put all that stuff together and then you get to play through the main quest and it's but it's shrunk down to like two thirds the side of size of Skyrim's map, which is crazy because the map is so big. And then if you're in like one of the cities, it's also the land is very flat. So if you're in one of the main cities, you can look seriously, just look across the map to like the next big city that you need to go to and which you can't do playing Daggerfall because it's so huge. Right. So that's that's interesting just from being, you know, kind of immersed in the game currently to hear that because one mm-hmm. first of all it just seems like at this point everything's eventually just going to get ported to the skyrim engine uh, <laughs> right eventually but that aside um i would imagine that it's so much of it like you said being condensed down mm-hmm. some of the biggest holdups of the game are it's just crazy immenseness where it's like yeah. dungeons like the first quest dungeon i did it was like oh yeah go go to this I castle for lack of a better word. I'm not going to go into the story or whatever, Sure, but like it took me like three hours to get through the damn thing. And I was like, Oh, welcome to old school RPGs, everybody. And the map is just like, I appreciate what they were trying to do. It's a 3d map and it fills as you walk through it. Mm -hmm. But the problem is trying to look at a 3d map (laughs) is not a pleasant experience. No, it's, (laughs) and it really, it is trying to read that map takes me about as long as it does to get through the thing sometimes. Yeah. Also, so. the scale of hallways and rooms in the game are totally whacked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're oh, they're yeah, way absolutely. off. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So that's something modern games do a lot better. It's yes, like rooms are actually easier. room sized and the hallways are actually hallway sized. And yes. they tend to link at least in rational, semi-rational ways to other rooms and things and don't leave a whole lot of empty right. space in a building. Yeah. Right. When it's just procedurally de- generated, it's like, oh, a hallway leading to a hallway leading to a hallway leading right. to a hallway leading to a room that's a dead end it's like oh yeah. the and game, each of the hallways the is like 50 yards long <laughs> it's like why yep. is it so long yeah but anyway i saw that that was a thing so i don't know if you want to go check that out but I'm, yeah no I'm sure absolutely you can. i do actually <laughs> it might take you it might take you three hours to install everything but you know <laughs> there you go yeah jillian says 40 hour quest setting it up um uh yeah yeah, that right. sounds about right. Well, <laughs> I, I've got all my normal stuff going on. I've got a bunch of podcasts and stuff. I haven't been streaming as much, but like the urge is there and I'm like, oh, I should, I should, I should stream more. I should play, I should play games and hang out with people. So look for some live streams. Maybe I'll pop on a, on occasion and, and do some more just gaming and stuff. Otherwise you can always come for the live shows. Uh, also robotsradio.net for all the different shows and everything else I've got going on. And who knows? Maybe we're going to get more info on Starfield. The rumor mill is churning about potential Starfield launch date coming out very soon and that it might happen before Redfall, which is in May now. So because why would like the thought was they've said that they're going to put it out in the first half of the year, after right. half of the year. So that would be up through June. But if they're putting Redfall out in the middle of May, that's really close to anything that launches in June. So why would they want to eat their own hype, right? So yeah, exactly. Are we looking I, I really at end of first quarter? Go to the following November. 
Yeah, but they they said it is going to be the first they, half of the year. I mean, granted, they're not giving a release date, but they're doubling down on it's the first half. Yeah, and, and they and, said and, that they're not going to delay again, and I'm like, right. And other messages from Microsoft and other people on Twitter and all sorts right. of other places are are still conveying that message. So yeah, well, maybe I'm curious to see maybe how March, that all plays out. March, April. Like end of March, early April. Whenever maybe? they want to release it, just let it be done. Like, <laughs> Hopefully it's done. Completed. Yeah. Like, don't make me have a 90 gig day one patch. Like, oh, well, that's going to happen. Uh, but I don't. It always think, happens. Because uh, they have to they have to get it approved for like things like Xbox and stuff, which means it has to go to cert before. Cert, you and then the they've got like weeks and... before the next. So they've got time to patch more things in the next few weeks. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's we'll just see. yeah, we will we will see because it's just like I stand by the fact that as much as I really enjoy Fallout seventy six, that game would have had such a different narrative around it had it just launched when Wastelanders came out, which was one of its its first <laughs> yeah. major expansion. If they had pushed it a year and a half, it would have yes. been so much better. Had that been the game when it launched, that game would have probably just had an entirely different story all around it yeah absolutely well fingers crossed but that's what yep. we got going on we'll be back next week talking sure about uh, vivek so we'll yeah, finish vivek. up the tribunal uh so come hang out with us for that and we'll see you next time everybody stay safe out there see you guys later have a good one Thanks for joining us. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach me on Twitter at robots underscore radio or Lotus of Doom at Lotus of Doom. Also, you can join us on the Robots Radio Discord channel. You can easily just search Robots Radio Discord on Google or check the description underneath the podcast. Also, this podcast is recorded live every week on Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on the Robots Radio channels on Twitch, YouTube, and on Facebook. So just search Robots Radio on any of those platforms Come join us. We'd love to chat with you while we record the show or before or after. Either way, just come hang out with us. And if you're looking for more information about my shows and the shows on the Robots Radio Network, go to robotsradio.net for all the information about all the shows on the network, including the Robots Radio Rocket Club, where I help both new and existing podcasters to grow their shows, build their audiences, and create the best podcasts they possibly can. All of that at robotsradio.net. We'll see you next time. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.